Hey, Nathan, before you do the intro, can we let it go a little longer, man? Let's do it. Love this. Third Eye Blind, 1997. I might have to get into this, Nathan. (laughs) Sing it, Greg. Man. Sing it. Something, 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 something. Oh, I know it. Soft as a thumbnail scratch. Something, 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 something. Like the hammock by the door where we spent time in. Swings empty. Oh, yeah. Love this song, man. Lisa doesn't let me sing it loud right now, so I'm going to do it here. That's right. On our one-year anniversary. That's right. Dude, listen to this coming up. I love it. I don't even know what you're talking about. I think it's about a breakup or something. Could be. I hope it's not an omen. I know, right? (laughs) You just jinxed us. (laughs) (laughs) There was nothing between you and me. Cause I don't care how it's gonna be. Now, I I gotta ask all of our musicians like Andrew Landis, Josh Mm -hmm. Jones, Josh Mitchell, Matt Smith. Am I wrong to think this song is awesome? <laughs> I like this song so much better than Christian music. <laughs> no me anymore. You've almost got that like gruff horse rambling thing going on, man. I don't know what he's saying here, but I love it. What a the podcast talk some theology, beer, and Mark Driscoll. Yeah. Want to taste the salt in your skin? I know that line. <laughs> this is something about oblivion. I don't know. <laughs> oblivion. Man, I love it. Thank you, Nathan, for letting me do this, man. Dude, it's all you. Take L- it away. Lisa would not let me do this. <laughs> no me anymore. I think Lisa does know you, yeah. and that's why she won't let you do this. <laughs> All right, take it away, Nathan. Love it, man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to These Go to 11, our one-year anniversary. Technically, tomorrow is our one-year anniversary. That's right. It, it's Groundhog Day. Yep. It, the day we're recording. The day we're recording. The second, yep. man. Wow. I, we, man, we could have had a... Is there a Groundhog Day song like from the movie? I don't know. Bill Murray? We, and, yeah, we got to watch that movie again and I know. find out. I know. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. It's not one of my favorite Murray movies, Yep. but it's solid. Well, I mean, come on. Everybody's favorite Murray movie is Ghostbusters. Oh, my goodness, yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, that, that's, that might be my favorite of his. Although Caddy, Caddyshack kind of ranks up there, too. And, dude, his um, cameo in Zombieland, <laughs> if you ever saw that, is amazing. Did you ever see, um, what was it, Jimmy Kimmel? He does those tweets, and he brings celebrities oh, yes. on. And Bill Murray's sitting there reading one about himself. Yeah. I'm so glad Bill Murray was shot in Zombieland and died. And Bill Murray's just sitting there. He just starts laughing. He's like, "That's great." I know. Those are awesome. Man, I love the when the you know Tim Robbins or somebody's reading yeah. Tim Robbins is a disgusting pig. You know, I like to see him such and such. Right. And he just reads it with a straight face. Classic. We should we should introduce that man. We should. Start reading tweets that people said about us. At this point, dude, I'm wondering, have we hung on to – I wonder how many listeners just hearing the intro song have already left us. Thank you for staying with us, the two two people that are still listening. That's right. Thank you. Dude, a year. I know, man. This is is crazy. I mean, I was thinking about that driving um, driving from work today. I I didn't even know if we'd last six months. No. Forget a year. (laughs) 
six episodes, man. It, it was getting kind of discouraging when our Twitter stayed at six for like <laughs> seven of those 12 months. It, it did seem to take a while to, um, you know, just see who's out there. And are, are, I don't know. Is there an interest in the conversation? Yeah. You know, is there an interest in the conversation? And, um, and we were always interested in it. That's- so I think that's what kept us going, particularly the first few months. That's like, true. Well, I mean, dude, and I still, I love it. It is my favorite part of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Just that that, um, that that I get to do in terms of the. I should say that here. Let me sound more spiritual. <laughs> During the week, not Sunday, because the favorite, That's the right. apex of the week is the preaching of the word. That's right. The week where that prep is going on in meetings and you know it, it just interactions with people. Great stuff. So this is such an oasis. Yeah. To come to talk with you, our awesome regulars and semi regulars, mm-hmm. the guests that we've had. I, I, what is 68, 69? I don't even know what else. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And thank you, yeah. listeners. It's it, uh, particularly those of you that have just teased us back a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sending in your memes and your comments. Yep. It's It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's it's been so great, the guests that we've had on and just where we've gone. I mean, we went from, you know, just two guys hanging out, talking. Um, and we're actually we're gonna play back our first uh, our first podcast episode, which actually it's funny, Greg, because we talked about where we've come with sound, and actually our first one was one of our better ones because Josh Mitchell was here, dude. I was shocked to direct us. You're exactly right. I was expecting this first one to sound like crap. Yeah. And it sounds better than so many that came after. Yeah. And part of the reason why that is, is um, obviously, you know, I was learning how to do the sure. mixing and all that stuff. And uh, eventually that, uh, I think around June is yeah. when that started really picking yeah. up and sounding better at that point. I, I, I think so. We had that one night where we had the, um, the chipmunk thing yeah. going on at one point <laughs> that was in the summer. And I don't know. 10 or 20 of you caught that and yep. you can change it as quickly as could. That was kind of funny. First four <laughs> minutes was all in, you know, Alvin and the Chipmunks, high speed. Yep. But yeah, Josh uh, was with us that first one. And the, uh, you're right. I think, hey, man, we got the professional here. Yep. And that has become you, Nathan. That, yep. That's I've, become you. I've moved in and started doing the mixing. And it's great. So that's uh, so much fun. Um, so we are, uh, again, looking back um, on a year. We've got so much to cover in this episode. Yeah. We really do. Um, we we did some of it um, at the New Year's. A little bit, yeah. Uh, but we wanted to take more and, and really go in depth. Um, so, Greg, let's go back to how the show started almost a year ago today. All right. Let me cue this up. Just a little short clip of um, how this started a year ago. Let's see how it sounds. Sounded better than that. (laughs) Welcome to the These Go to 11 podcast, the show where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. That's 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 whose line is it anyway? Yeah, right. That's right. (laughs) Um, We are the guys who cheerfully ran about all the things that don't matter all that much. Oh, no, no, no. That's a different one. Yeah, that's somebody else. So, so Greg, what do we do? We go to 11. Oh, we go to 11. We go to 11. That is our unique contribution to the world of podcasting. And what is it we are going to be doing on this podcast? We are going to be uh, solving all the problems of the world. No, we're not going to be doing that. But we're going to be talking about many of them. Uh, we are going to be just having fun. We're going to be having conversations. Nathan is a good friend of mine. Uh, and he and I talk all the time. And we talk about the gospel. And we talk about uh, life. We talk about movies. We talk about beer. We talk about favorite foods. We talk about all sorts of things. 
And this is an opportunity to talk about all these sort of things from a unique, hopefully, biblical perspective. Um, one of the frustrating things for me is I preach every Sunday. That's not frustrating. I love that. <laughs> but I'll get into a topic, and I normally say something like, wow, we really can't get deep into the weeds on this issue um, for our purposes today. But to be able to have a conversation like this and invite some friends into it, very exciting, because we can actually talk about these things with a little more depth. And so, Greg, just um, as, as you and I were meeting and talking, we actually first met back in um, July of 2014 to yeah. talk about a ministry opportunity. Um, and we had actually envisioned something completely different yes. um, in terms of, you know, we were going to do a website and we were going to uh, show sermon videos and we were going to have the sermons on there. And um, I think we, you know, we were going to be promoting um, some of your books, which, you know, later on um, we will actually talk about, sure. um, you know, in the, the weeks to come. Um, and, and you came to me, I think it was, it was either October, or November. And you said, I, I'm, we're going to go in a completely different direction. We're going to do a podcast. Yeah. And I think my words to you were, yeah, that's great. What the heck is a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, tell us a little bit about, you know, what is a podcast and why did you choose to go in that direction? Yes. I'd like to say right out of the gate, laziness was my number one motivation. <laughs> and there you go. That's that See, was the beginning of was. these go to eleven, dude. Just to say, your voice is butter, man. <laughs> butter. My voice, not so much, but your voice, butter. I um, I, I love the music. You know, Sam Cooke, mm-hmm. one of my all time favorites. You know, I mean, if you don't know him, the famous is you know don't know much about history. And mm-hmm. He's just uh, you know, chain gang, and uh, there's a change that's coming. Uh, part of the, I love voices, either musically or vocally, that have a soothing quality. Mm-hmm. Love it, man. Thank you, brother. Well, it's funny because you and I talked about this uh, right after we did the first podcast yeah. and we listened to it. And we both listened and said, really? That's what I sound yeah, like? I <laughs> and, yeah. we're, and we're listening to each other's and it's like, yeah, that's what you sound like. I know. <laughs> Strangest phenomena to this day. I mean, I've... Because I hear myself more than probably the average person because mm-hmm. of preaching, although I don't generally listen to my preaching anymore because it's just too depressing, uh, <laughs> the, the 30 things that I would redo five minutes after I, I preach it. And I get to preach three times on a Sunday, and I still right, regret right. <laughs> um, when I'm done the third one how I approach this or that. But it, it's still to this day, it is the strangest thing that I sometimes wonder. I wonder what people would think of the voice that I hear. Because uh, right. that's the one I've heard my whole life, right. but nobody but me has ever heard it. Right. Uh, so it is kind of interesting when you put it out there for public consumption. But yeah. no, we've gotten um, uh, some, some good praise. I'm, I'm not trying to buddy up, dude, but good praise on your voice uh, that people like. And Heartland, too. Heartland's got a good yeah. good radio yeah. we, voice. We've had several people on here that yeah. we've commented like that. Steve's been one. Yeah. Um, Scott Perry, when oh, he's been voice. on. Yeah. You know, just Awesome. Scott's awesome a born, born uh, DJ type guy. Yeah. I mean, listen to people we're not naming. Everybody has a good voice. Yes. If someone's on here and they sounded like Pee Wee Herman, <laughs> you know, they might I have would be doing sound. a whole lot of mixing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're not going to make the cut. Uh, but uh, yeah, we it's it's been neat to just listen to different people and their styles, their approaches, the way they share. Yeah. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And you know, uh, we we played this. Um, clip on there um we were we were initially going to just you know supplement your sermons um and and that was going to be the nature of this ministry was supplementing the sermons with different videos quotes blogs um all these different things and we just went in a totally radical direction you said it on the podcast it's because i'm lazy (laughs) right right dude (laughs) 
There is so much truth in that. I mean, I benefit so much from reading mm-hmm. uh, and you know, just love good books. And there's so many great writers out there today. And you can get it now in so many formats, you know, I mean, with the e-books and your Kindle stuff and read something right off of your iPhone um, or still in the traditional bound cover edition. Uh, and I, I do like to write. I've written three very small, small, short books. Um, and man, it has given me a respect for the guys that write and crank something out consistently mm-hmm. throughout their lives because the work is exhausting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it's good. It's worthwhile, I think, when you put your heart into it. But uh, for me, dude, in the way I'm wired, to run my mouth is always much easier. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I still do think about what we're going to talk about, mm-hmm. sometimes a little more than others. Uh, we've had a couple where we're probably thinking about it as we pull up to the parking lot yep. in terms of what we're going to say and rely on the good interaction. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there is a um, there is some truth in that. I joked about that, and that's why I cut it there. Right. That as I started thinking, wow. You know, the blogs, the daily sites that have some great content, similar, require so much consistent uh, creativity and maintenance uh, that, uh, you know, a podcast can last uh, on there for a while. It's a talk, a conversation ready to be heard. Um, Content can to to a certain extent, but there's something about the written word uh, that needs to be, in a blog format, extremely current. Right, three days old, right. and so oh, I'm not even going to read it now. Right. Um, and so a, a podcast allows uh, this conversation, just like we're having at Starbucks, to be recorded mm-hmm. uh, and put out there. And it's just, uh, it's been a great format. Yeah, it, it's been it's been so much fun. And you and I, we talked about it. We've had such a great friendship over yeah, the years, absolutely, and such great discussions. So it was nice to be able to bring other people. Um, into those conversations that we've had. Sure was. Um, we talked about some goals for, for 2016 uh, back uh, on, our, on our New Year's yeah. uh, special. Which one of those do you think we're going to try to accomplish first? Yes, Nathan, that's a good question. And I'll throw it out and see if you agree with me. Mm-hmm. One I'd like to just tackle right away because I think we could get this out with relative ease. Mm-hmm. I was actually working on it today, nice. but I'm not quite done. Is finally these biblically awkward greeting cards. Nice. Yes. Biblically awkward greeting cards. Yep. And you know, we might even make a few in honor of the Reverend James King. <laughs> we don't we don't have a call from him, you know, for this episode, right. which uh, may be a good or bad thing. But um I think we can get those available and um you know, people can have some fun with them. Mm-hmm. So I, I tend to think that's something we can get out there pretty quickly and you'll truly we've been saying that. I will say Nathan next Three to four weeks, yep. you'll be hearing something concrete about that, yeah. listeners, if you're interested. Yeah, I, th- I think that's um, – I, I agree. I think that's one of the projects that we've been working on the longest. Yeah. Um, just trying to figure out how we want to put them out there and yeah. set them up and format them. So, yeah, no, I think I, th- I think that's a good assessment. Yeah. Um, I mean, just imagine, like, you know, you, you want to send a quote-unquote encouragement to a friend and, you know, the front of the card says something like, man, reading the word last night, you were on my mind. And uh, this verse I came across just, you know, made me think about you even more. And you open it up. It's 1 Corinthians 4.13. Up to this point, we've become the, the refuse of the world and, <laughs> and the scum of the earth. Just send that to a friend. That's right. Let that encourage that person, um, you know, so much. Uh, the guy in Mark, and uh, he ran away naked. Just send that out as a word of encouragement. That's right. Um, there's a lot of options there, 
Yeah, there, I, there, there's a lot of places we're going to go with these. Dude, and we start bringing King James into it. I know. I that, mean, if, if we could somehow convince the Reverend James King to give us his blessing, and I don't know. I mean, he's not a big fan of us right now, but he, he does seem to be uh, fixated on this conversation. We get him to give it. We could have a Reverend James King special line. I mean, can you imagine, Nathan? Piss- well, he, he's already got his own Twitter page. I, I know. Mean. Yes, I saw that. I saw. We might talk about that at the end too, <laughs> to try to encourage the Reverend James King. That's right. That's right. We uh, we, we want to uh, support him in any way we can. Absolutely. He's our most avid uh, avid critic. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. He is. He is, and uh, you know, we we want to see if we can endear him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe bring him into the fold, but you know, pray pray for that, listeners. That's right. <laughs> uh, put that pray in quotes, please. But yes. Um, another thing we talked about um, that we want to we want to mention is a website. Yeah. So at some point this year, look for uh, these go to eleven website. Yeah. We are. Um, we we had talked about it. We were going to go ahead and jump ship with Podbean. Uh huh. They were a great starter yeah. um, for the podcast. Uh, what we were trying to do with them. There were some glitches that we um, had been struggling with on and off um, throughout the year. Um, and so we were going to look into and dive into seeing where we could go that would be a better host site. And we yeah. decided, uh, first of all, Podbean has been glitching less and less. Yeah, it has. Um, so so we've been happier with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but second, we decided that a, a website would be a better way to go, especially yeah. where we wanted to get into – uh, these obscure Bible verse yeah. uh, greeting cards. Oh, we can put tons of content on there. Yeah. And we, we're, we've, we're building some up over yeah. these times, some favorites and some uh, articles that would relate to guests. I mean, we have so many guests that have written so many things. Yes. And just to be able to have sort of a, 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 a general storage file for their good yep. stuff that we could point people to, yep. I think would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so over the year, we've had uh, so many different topics that we've covered. Interestingly enough, some of the more pop culture topics haven't really interested people. Yeah. We yeah. uh we did that one on the Duggars and yep. um at that time it was one of the lowest listens. It was. That's that a good we point. had had. Yeah, we did that if I remember rightly, that was around or maybe even on or near Memorial yes. Day. Yeah. So might have been a lull in the time, but it was such a hot theme there for maybe three, four, five nights in a row. We were smack dab in the middle or at the beginning of it. And I mean, it it got its share of listens. Right. But then we could pull something out on what some would consider a dusty old theological topic and uh, we get triple. Yeah. So we're sort of learning what our listeners enjoy, what they... um, what they like. So I think, Nathan, that's why we started making some episodes what we would consider bonus episodes. Yes. Like the sports stuff. Yep. We know a bunch of our people could, couldn't care less about right. the Orioles or the Ravens. They're not even from this, this area per se. But we have a number of people obviously who are. So we thought we, did, we don't ever want one of those bonus episodes to be the main episode. Right. Because we honestly want each episode to be uh, thought-provoking mm-hmm. uh, so that each week you know somebody can add that to their list of favorite podcasts and – I talk to people that say we're one of 14 they listen to. Yep. For some people, we're the only one they listen to yep. and, and a whole range between. So we want to give them something each week that gives them something substantive to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the ones that was actually pretty hot was um, anytime we bring in a big name and start talking about a big name. Yeah. Um, and we're actually – we're going to uh, do that now. Um, Mark Driscoll. Who? Who's that? Yeah, right. <laughs> I've never heard of that guy. 
yeah. Mars Hill Church, not Mars Hill in Michigan. Right. Uh, Mars Hill out in, is it Oregon or Washington? It was in Seattle, Washington. Seattle, Washington. Yeah. Um, he's been in the news again lately. Yeah, just in the last uh, 24, 36 hours from the time we're recording this. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's probably a surprise to a number of people that have sort of followed him. Some positively, as maybe Driscoll enthusiast, some just out of sheer uh, celebrity-like interest, and some out of, let's be honest, some disdain for the man. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been a lot of reasons people have tracked his whereabouts. Uh, <clears throat> been about a year and a half since he left Mars Hill, if I have that right. Um, it's It's an interesting story because... Basically, the Mars Hill cluster of churches, so tens of thousands of people that are represented uh, by that group, all um, in essence dissolved that banner mm-hmm. and became independently self-governed churches. So mm-hmm. in some ways, that's pretty awesome. My hope and prayers is churches that are holding forth the word to uh, a lost generation there in Seattle, which is a very tough place to minister, are still doing that. Um he left, and I think you're, you're going to ask me maybe a little more about that. And I, I've learned some things, uh, even in the last uh, 24 hours, been doing a little more reading on him. Um, and, you know, he has shown up at an occasional conference, an occasional preaching venue. But last summer, he and his family moved to Phoenix, Arizona. And from that point forward, he started sending, I actually get it, mm-hmm. uh, a weekly update on you know, the goings-ons and the Driscoll life, etc. Most people have known for some time, he's, dude, he's going to plant a church there. And so the big news yesterday sort of on the internet, the blogosphere, was that he put out, uh, he and his wife Grace put out a YouTube video. Uh, it was only two, three minutes long that uh, they're going to pull the trigger. They're planting a church called the Trinity Church. It was actually Steve Hartland that first let me know. He texted me the oh, link. Okay. And I thought, why is he texting me a link to his own church. Right, right. Steve's church is Trinity Church, <laughs> Trinity church not right. the Trinity Church. Uh, and then I checked it out, but oh, oh, yeah, yeah, this is Driscoll's church. So um, they've incorporated, they've done the necessary paperwork, they've put out a website. I don't think they've had a, or I know they haven't had a Sunday meeting yet. Uh, so this, uh, you know, just go on Twitter, go on Facebook, Instagram, Google, type in Mark Driscoll new search, and you will get a whole lot of hits yeah. just from the past 24 hours. Yeah. Greg, talk to us a little bit about the influence that he's had on you um, because yeah. we're going to get into some of the things with him going on in the new church. But first, let's set up the influence that he's had on you so people yeah. can understand where you're coming from. Uh, good question. Uh, Driscoll's the same um, age I am, I think almost by a week or two. So I'm assuming, I looked that up a while ago. I want to mm-hmm. say maybe October 1970. So we're Virtually identically the same age. So just by that, growing up in American culture in the exact same time, I can safely project and get a general sense of his life experiences right. the way anybody in my age age category would, would be. Um, I don't even remember when I first heard about him, Nathan. It was maybe 10 years ago. Okay. I think a lot of people first heard of Driscoll by something akin to this. Open up your email dude, check out this clip by this guy named Mark Driscoll. Mm-hmm. And usually it was a short two, three, four-minute sermon clip of him preaching at his church, the former church, Mars Hill in Seattle. Um, the one I think that is notorious or you know, famous, infamous, however you call it, right. um, was the How Dare You clip. 
and in it, he, he says, who in the hell do you think you are? It's actually kind of a cool clip. He's talking, he's calling men out for being basically lazy, self-indulged husbands. Mm-hmm. I think it was his series on First Peter, if I remember rightly. And, you know, you think, man, this guy is bringing it hard. And, um, uh, you know, and he, he's got a cool, edgy style, kind of wearing the, I don't know what it was at the time, some cool graphic T-shirt, right. a choker chain around his neck, wh- whatever it was at that time. You thought, oh, this seems like a young, kind of cool guy. And that seemed to be the uh, just he burst onto the scene, and I'm not entirely sure why. He wrote a few books. Um, I think what the the appeal uh, uh, to me initially with Driscoll, which is not unique to me, uh, one he's reformed mm-hmm. and cool, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and by the way, quick aside here, Lisa, you know, as you know, Nathan is my best honest critic, my best friend, mm-hmm. and. Um, she is so good with me because I'm such an impressionable person. I'll read something. I'll listen to something. And it's so easy for me to slip into that person's voice or that person's way of uh, expressing himself. So I remember reading his first book to Lisa 10 or so years ago. Uh, we'd be in bed. I'd read excerpts to her at night. Uh, I think it was Confessions of a Reformation Rev. Mm-hmm. And I'd be cracking up at this story he's telling and this candid, almost edgy way he's telling it. And what he said when he was preaching. And Lisa got nervous. And she said, Craig, don't don't ever do that. And Lisa's not the type to say that because out of fear of man, per se. But I think she fears that I would try to adopt his persona, right. which isn't me. Right. And she goes, I know you guys are the same age, but if you went to the same high school, he was probably like the cool, studly guy. <laughs> and you were like the assistant AV guy on the chess club. <laughs> I don't know if they go together, but you know what I'm saying. Right, right. Um, so she said, you know, you, you got to be you in your geeky, nerdy, non-cool persona and let this guy be himself and his cooler persona. So my draw to him was, here's a guy that found a very unabashedly reformed voice who was incredibly culturally savvy, mm-hmm. making references to you know, songs and movies and grunge culture and... and um, you know, there's this one clip, I don't know if it's still out there, where he went to, I think Seattle had Hemp Fest, where <laughs> he's wearing this T-shirt that says something like, hey, man, Jesus sees you smoking that weed, and just blatantly accosting people in the middle of this thing, talking to them about Jesus. And he said, man, you, I can't even talk to you so high right now. And th- there was there was a refreshing breeze that Driscoll brought initially yeah. because I think, wow, am I seeing the fusion of gospel – biblical depth, reform theology, what things that are important to reform people, um, with a, a real cultural savvy and ability to connect with postmodern culture. Bless you, man. Thank you. See, Nathan's getting holy, holy, <laughs> holy ghost sneezes going on here. That's the last podcast. Um, so that was my draw to him. So I've read a lot of his books. I like most of his books. Um, uh, we actually, when we were doing leadership track here at our church mm-hmm. for a while, used his doctrine, yep. which I still think is a very solid book. He wrote it with uh, Gary Brashears, I think it was one of his seminary profs. Very solid book on doctrine. It's kind of, again, it's a, what you would expect. It's it's kind of a mini, hip, reformed systematic theology. Right. Um, I didn't agree with him in every place. Who are you going to agree sure. with everywhere? But I would say that was the impact he had on me as I thought, man, there is a way to be faithfully, biblically in-depth 
and be culturally connected yeah. to the people that you're seeking to win over and influence. That was my, my initial read. Talk to us a little bit about um, the downfall, mm. his downfall in particular, um, before all this new church announcement came out. And, and the reason um, is that depending on how people view it, it will impact how you view the new church yeah, work he's yeah. doing. True. So. Uh, yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot, uh, really, just even outside of this podcast, because I, I, I do think – whatever you think of Driscoll's downfall, and I will get to that as you ask me, um, I, I believe he's one of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, there might be a few fringe voices out there that say the guy's not one of us. I think that's very extreme, and you got to be really careful about that stuff in terms of heart judging and motivations. Right. But, I mean, clearly, I mean, you can tell by his preaching. He preaches the authentic – Biblical gospel, and I do think, as far as I can see, really has a passion to get that word out to to lost people, and um, that's all the good, commendable stuff. Um, so I'm cautious in talking. It's it's hard to talk about this stuff with Driscoll because uh, you, you know you can you can pinpoint certain actions which make you think about heart issues, and we should think about those. Yeah, but we have to be careful that we don't you know omnisciently know what those hard issues are right. or act as if we do. Right. So there are all, all my caveats out there. Sure. Um, combination of things. I mean, for a number of years, Driscoll, in general, there was a reputation that seemed to hover around him for good or for bad, that um, he was a very top-down kind of, of leadership guy. Maybe we'll do a podcast on that topic alone, Nathan. Sure. I, I don't know if it's possible. I've never been a megachurch pastor. I've known a couple, but never very well. Love to talk to some people that have either served on a megachurch pastor staff, mm-hmm. maybe are actively megachurch pastors, although it'd be hard to ask this question. Is there something that almost requires a a strong leader of a church that size, a movement that massive, to be kind of a top-down, maybe overly authoritative guy. Um, Pastors are often accused of that, sometimes fairly. I've been accused of that, uh, which I sometimes chuckle at because I don't pastor a megachurch. And, um, you know, I I don't view it that I'm in possession of some massive uh, civilization of which I'm getting all these accolades from. But, you know, it can creep into anybody's heart. But uh, that always hovered around him. And again, I don't know the man, never even said a single word to him, never met him. He doesn't know who I am from Adam. So I would say that's a uh, an error about Driscoll, yeah. this kind of heavy authoritative tone. Some things that have come out more factually, uh, probably things started to really, really go south. In some of his preaching, in the earlier years, he would use more profanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, my understanding is he back down on that. I think some guys like your Pipers and mm-hmm. um, maybe your C.J. Mahaney's and other people that were reaching out to him at the time uh, were, were maybe talking him down from that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I, I do feel like I noticed a change. Still edgy, still a little gruff, mm-hmm. kind of say some shocking things, but the language seemed to dissipate a little bit. Uh, that's one thing. His teaching on uh, certain areas related to sex Driscoll talks a lot about sex, mm-hmm. uh, more more than I have in my in my ministry. Now, part right. of it is he's he's done a series or two on it, right? Maybe do that as another topic uh, some other time. Our next podcast, Nathan, yep. is going to be with Mike Abendraw yep. on his book on sexual fidelity, and yep. maybe we can ask him that a little bit too. 
pastors preaching on it as a series. Again, I don't think it's wrong. Sure. Uh, there's a whole book in the Bible about it. Um, but he wrote a book called Real Marriage. It's actually my least favorite book of his, although maybe his most popular uh, for some of these reasons, um, where he made some comments in different places that I heard before they were taken down off you know, the websites. You could probably still find them somewhere. Right. Where he was... Um, I'll say this. There was a a strong, crass, borderlining to me, maybe even crossing it to some crude approach to mm. describing sexuality within the context of marriage and, more disturbingly, something a little bit misogynistic mm-hmm. and male-oriented. Yeah. Um, and, again, that's always a dangerous subject when you're sort of suggesting that women bring that submissive role into that marriage relationship when you're the male preacher. Right. I'll just say that. And people can look this up themselves. And, and there were some things he said that I thought, man, dude, I, again, I don't think they were heretical. Right. I, I don't personally think they were the wisest things to say. Right. Um, every preacher has said foolish things. I've got my list. But um, it caused a lot of friction, a lot of heat. So he, he started giving his reputation as a controversial guy. Um I mean, started. I should say it accumulated. And finally, in my little diagnostic of the downfall, sure. there were some monetary issues, and these are clearer. Um, I think the book I mentioned, Real uh, Real Marriage, was one of them, uh, where he has some, some chapters on sex that are a little edgy. Um, basically, Driscoll, his church, hired a company, uh, and I can't remember the name of this type of company, but... Uh, you know, if you're a large enough organization, you can do it. But basically, it's a manipulation of book sales. Yeah. Um, so that you know, when when they want to determine Amazon bestsellers, New York mm-hmm. Times bestsellers, they have a matrix and a grid. And if you sell X amount in X amount of period of time in different places around the country, right? Uh, maybe even around North America, um, then uh, you will hit their matrix requirements. And might make yourself onto the bestseller list. Well, Mars Hill did that. It was a sizable amount of money. I, I don't have that uh, in front of me, but several tens of thousands, if right. not more, maybe $100,000 even. They hired a company to do that um, and basically manipulate, for lack of a better word, I don't know yeah. what it's called, his book sales, so that Driscoll could legitimately be promoted as a New York Times bestselling author. Because, right. you know, for three or four days, he was up there with, Whatever Stephen King, Grisham, right. what, you know, whatever the number one self help book was, Doctor Oz, yeah. Driscoll was in the mix. So uh, here's where it gets tricky. You, you've got what seemed to be very little accountability of a man who who it's almost shocking in one sense. I mean, yeah. I, I have zero access, and I'm not saying that to brag. The church is smart, right? And they know one pastors don't need the temptation. Number two, I have no financial savvy or administrative ability at all. You know that, right? Nathan. Right. So um, I joke with uh, some of the guys that do the ushering. You know, they put the offering in a safe. I don't have the combination of that safe, right? I think you know maybe two people in the church right. do, and you know the, the right people have it. But you know Driscoll apparently, and maybe one or two guys around him. I think it came out. Well, had a tremendous amount of freedom. Yeah. To do this with church money, right? Uh, and, and it really rubbed a number of people wrong. That seemed to get a lot of the malcontented 
folks that had been a part of Driscoll's church and life very, very um, emboldened to speak out more. Yeah. Again, I'm so overgeneralizing this massive um, sure, sure. Uh, breakdown. But he was um, – he, he came under a lot of attack uh, and, again, perhaps some of it just, a lot of uh, people's ire. Um, and there were people that had left, even staff members, that found Driscoll to be a very, very um, top-down, they'd say right. controlling person to work with. Look, this thing with the books just kind of proves it. Um, and eventually, I think he was going to sabbatical for a while. Mm-hmm. That very quickly turned into he's going to resign. And right. very shortly after that, Mars Hill kind of shut the whole thing down. Right. It's a sad story Yeah. of uh, a movement that was at one point maybe a flagship defining cutting edge, if I can right, use a term, right. reformed evangelical movement. The good thing that I've heard from the things I've read online and some friends that I've talked to that are involved in Acts 29, which was Driscoll's denomination uh, that he actually founded, uh, is that uh, some still great ministry going on mm-hmm. in that region. People, it kind of remind, this was never about one man. It was always right. about Jesus. Um, so Driscoll's disappeared uh, you know, for a while. He's, like I said, done a few things. But a lot of people have said, watch him. He's going to start a new church. Mm-hmm. He's going to start a new church. And uh, he has. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's upset a lot of people. Well, let's uh, put yourself in, um, in in this position, Greg. You're, you, for whatever reason, Driscoll has sought you out. Oh, you sure. You guys are sitting down for a cup of coffee at Starbucks. <laughs> Dude, my phone's been ringing right now. I know. Hold on, MD. <laughs> I'll hit you back soon. Uh, yeah. What advice would you give him on planting this new church? Oh, you, yeah. you've, you've church planted, so you sure. have some experience. Yep. What advice would you give him in this new role, in this new setting? Wow. Great question. Well, the first thing is he too, uh, Mars Hill was a church plant that he did initially. And um, so in, in a sense, what I've done at Christ Fellowship in a much smaller capacity <laughs> Uh, we have a multi-campus setup, if you consider the back part of the sanctuary, where we have the TV, because <laughs> right. you can't quite see around the front. That's, That's our right. second campus. That's, That's what right. we say. It's our <laughs> second campus. And where we're recording, it's kind of our third. That's right. Um, you know, all within 10 yards of each other. Um, so obviously, a very different story. So I, probably, I'd love, though, to hear him. It's fun to talk to church planners. Normally, what I hear when talking to people that have planted churches is almost always, hey, here's what not to do. Right. Uh, I don't know if I've ever talked to a church planner and said, hey, I read these three books, I put these principles in place, and everything perfectly fell <laughs> into place. <laughs> I mean, things like, Nathan, that I always heard, and, and they have actually proven to be true. I'd always heard that the, I think as much as 80% of people that are with you in the first two to three years at year 10, if you make it that far, are gone. Mm. That's all true. Sometimes that's shocking to me. Right. I like kind of pinch myself that well all these people that were there at one point so there's the good advice um it's you're going to be tempted to take that personally yeah um and sometimes people leave out of personal reasons and it's hurtful sometimes they just leave because they were there for a short period god used them to help build the Mm -hmm. foundation of the church and they've moved on to somewhere else uh so you know uh, the principles like hold people affectionately but loosely yeah uh, i think is great for a church planner so i bet i'd love to hear his stories on that this time, though, Nathan, I don't know what advice I could give him because he's in a rare category. A few people have done this. Mm-hmm. Um, Chuck Swindoll, very different story. But when he went, 
from his evangelical free church in California years ago to take over for a short period of time uh, the provost spot at Dallas Seminary, mm-hmm. I think. He went down there and he planted planted a church there. If I remember rightly, I think he had something on his first Sunday, like 1,500 people there. <laughs> so when you're a known celebrity pastor, right. I, I don't even quite get what church planning looks like. Yeah. Because normally if you're a known, an unknown person, you start with a nucleus of people. 10, 12, maybe 15, 20, 30 people. Right. And you have met with them and you've prayed and you've had planning sessions and you've, you know, you've done the whiteboard stuff together and you've set up your little nucleus of infrastructure. And, um, it's such a different world. I I can't imagine. I mean, I'm going to guess that whenever he has his first service, right. (laughs) Thousand, 2000 people will be there. Right. Uh, I will also guess there'll probably be some people out there protesting it. Right. Um, my personal view on that is even if you feel that strongly, I, I, I wish people wouldn't do that. Yeah. It's mainly because of a watching, unbelieving world. Yeah. That's going to see that. Uh, that's my personal view. I understand other people have different motivations. Uh, so I, I'm glad you asked me that, Nathan, because I have thought, <laughs> I don't know what his church plant's going to be like. I right. mean, I, money, he might have so much money at the time they start. Because he does have a following to this day. Right. People that are loyal. Now, I'll throw this out. And I, I'd actually like to invite our listeners to weigh in on this. Mm-hmm. I had been hearing in recent months, again, not necessarily rumors, but um, echoes on the internet, that sort of thing, that Driscoll has become maybe a little less reformed mm. and a little more charismatic. He was in his prime sort of a Matt Smith type, mm-hmm. a reformed guy with a charismatic uh, at, you know, um, ecclesiology, pneumatology, the way he viewed the gifts. Um, I don't know that that's true, but Steve Hartland, mm-hmm. we were talking yesterday, yep. made a good point, said there has been some thought that the charismatic segment of the body has perhaps been more gracious with Driscoll, mm. been more welcoming of him in this, where I will say a lot of the reform guys are, oh, yeah. are tough. <laughs> yeah. Are tough on him. Yeah, not saying there's not legitimate concerns, right? But have been really, really tough. Yeah. And uh, I looked at his doctrinal statement, though, and the doctrinal statement for the church site is basically the outline of his book, Doctrine. Mm. Um, and so I, I don't notice any obvious deviation right. from what he's always embraced right. that I can tell. But that's something I'm hearing. So if our uh, listeners had information on that, just for our curiosity, sake, yeah. maybe yeah. to clarify things in the future. Love to hear it. Yeah. Blast that out on Facebook or Twitter. Yeah. Be a great conversation. So yeah. Um, one, one quick question. Yeah. One, one last quick question about um, Driscoll and then we're going to move on. How do we talk about him responsibly as believers? Um, Dude, you know, it's tough. It, there, there are so many people out there with a Facebook account. There are mm-hmm. so many people out there with a Twitter account, Instagram, podcasts even. Yeah. How do we responsibly talk about another um, brother in Christ who who sinned? Yep, um, has been out of the ministry about a year and a half, I think, is what what we said. Yep, um, and is now getting back into it full time. Yeah, how, how do we handle that? Wow, Nathan, uh, million dollar question, and that's why I knew we would talk about this. It's kind of interesting on our one year episode. This this Driscoll thing illustrates. 
why podcasting to me is so exciting mm-hmm. and also so challenging because yeah. we're, you're trying to talk about things somewhat in real time right? as brothers in Christ have a conversation about things that people have different uh, opinions of. Number one, uh, I would say we acknowledge and say we get, we get why there is, and I think legitimate frustration with Driscoll. Yeah. I understand the argument of people saying he should not pastor again. I, I'd say I understand it. I don't, I don't feel as an outsider, I can say I have enough information yeah. to be honest, to know every single thing that happened, yeah. uh, everything that went down. Um, so I think we can say, I will say this. The one thing I've, I've been a bit disappointed on, when I have heard Driscoll address his issues, his mm-hmm. sin issues, I've heard him say they're sin issues. I, I'm going to be honest about that. I've heard him say that. It's a subjective, but a lot of people have felt this, and I, I can see it. There has been a bit of a um, – almost an artful dodge is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, um, hey, you know, uh, I've done things that I'm not proud of. Uh, we, you know, sort of the generalizing right. of the issues. Um, I always think the more specific we are yeah. in our repentance, the, the better off things are. Yeah. Hey, you know, it's, it's what we, we tell my kids, you know, when, when I try to get my kid, when I try to shepherd their heart right. and I, uh, <laughs> I say, you know, to them, Hey, tell me what, what went on there? Yeah. Why do you think your mom and I were so upset? And, Oh, you know, I was just wrong. And I don't, I don't settle for that. Right. I'm like, well, yeah, that's, that's given Yeah, You were wrong. Uh, what were you wrong about right. specifically? Right. Um, I think that's something that's been lacking. Yeah. I would say I, I don't think that's the unpardonable sin. Right. Um, I, I want to be very careful not to um, um, discern motive mm-hmm. on why he's done that. I understand a lot of people say, well, because he's not, he's not repentant. So he's not really saying he's repentant. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, again, I haven't heard him defend himself to the point that he says he hasn't sinned. Um, I think another reason that concerns people is I, I read a guy uh, on, on Twitter today who did make kind of an interesting comment. He goes, Ah, it's been time. He says, Driscoll has appointed himself back into the ministry today. Um, I tend to think when you're out of the ministry for a period of time, and we've talked about this in other venues with disqualification, right. the onus should kind of be on external confirmation. Right. But, Nathan, here's the other side of that. I did look online, and he does have a number, uh, I think four or five pastors mm-hmm. that are his accountability board. Sure. Now people say, well, he had the same thing at Mars Hill, and look how that turned out. Maybe. Right. But... I don't know if there's – that's more than I had when we started. Right. Uh, I was committed to plurality eldership. Uh, so there was always at least one other elder. But I say there probably is benefit the more and more accountability you can have. One of the guys is a guy named Larry Osborne, mm-hmm. very respected evangelical free pastor who I've never met but I've heard preach six or seven times. Seems like a very solid guy, mm-hmm. well-respected. Uh, he does have an advisory board in place. So I think the way to do it is – is to talk about it with caution. Sure. I think if we're talking about somebody as if we knew them, yeah, the guy in our church who did this, right. who I knew and saw and, and interacted with my family and friends, if we're talking about it with that level of quote-unquote knowledge and intimacy, we should probably check ourselves yeah. and say, be to, to honestly say, hey, if I was out there in Phoenix, uh, Arizona, and I'm looking for a church, I'll put this out. Right now, knowing what I know, I would want more information before I might consider taking my family 
mm-hmm. to go. Sure. I'm not saying I would never go. Right. I probably am saying I wouldn't go immediately. Right. Because uh, there'd be some questions I'd want answered. And I don't know what Driscoll would do with that if he's going to have an avenue for people that say, hey, Mark, I've always been drawn to your preaching. It's so cool that you're here. I know the gospel is going to be preached. I don't dispute that at all. Um, is there a way that I could get a little more information on how things are going to be different moving forward? Yeah. My thoughts. Yeah. No, and, and I think that's um, so on point because so many times we look at these celebrities, um, Christian celebrity, celebrities out there, and we feel because their lives are so public that we we do know them. Oh, sure. And, we do it all You the know, time. It's, it's the same with actors and actresses. You know, yep. we, we get so accustomed to people playing a certain role, and then we get a glimpse into their personal lives. Oh, I can't believe they do that. Yes. Well, they've been doing it for the past 10 years. Yeah. You just didn't know about it. Um, exactly. And so, yeah, like you said, just being very careful, like we know them and we are intimate in their lives and what's going on and, yeah. and all that. So great, great thoughts on that. Thank you, Nathan. Um, want to talk a little bit today about, uh, the primaries. Yeah. We have, um, we've actually been accused um, and, and rightly so of being uh, apathetic yes. when it comes to politics. Yeah, and I'm going to name uh, him. That's our friend Shaheen. Yep. Regular listener, a good buddy of ours that comes to the church. Great dude. Um, and Shaheen's a, a sharp guy, so he, mm-hmm. I appreciate it. When he shares something, it's sort of a, hey, what about this? I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead. Yeah. <laughs> getting ahead, Nathan. I'm excited right. to talk about this. Yes. Um, and it's funny because um, we are uh, we're both very – apathetic when it comes to uh when it comes to politics we, yeah. we make no bones about that um however um that wasn't always the case for either one of us right um general thoughts on what's going on in the elections yeah i, I think nathan can i say this i think i know your view are you like we haven't I mean, you and i talk all the time mm-hmm. and we almost never talk about it yeah. So yeah. I'm going to safely assume I think that you don't care a whole lot about what's going on and I I don't. <laughs> yeah. I, that's I don't mean that meanly. I just no. generally don't care. I've I I was talking to my cousin um I think it was last week actually. We 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 got into a discussion on um voting and who would you vote for right. and things like that. I said honestly I don't know if I'm going to go out and vote this year. Right. Right. Um and and I said it would be the first time same here. Um, I voted in every other election that I could vote yep. in. I voted passionately yeah. in every other election. Same here. The problem is I don't see a candidate that I can support oh. in this election. Right. Right. That and and again, I'm I'm projecting down into the presidential election who sure. I think will Might be, be in the running. Yeah. Um I really and I'll put this out there, I really like Ben Carson. Uh-huh. I think I think he's an intelligent guy. I yeah. think people are like, well, he doesn't have a lot of political experience. Well, let's be real. Neither did George Washington. Right, right. Um, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't bother me. He's an intelligent guy. I think he can pick up the nuances of the politics mm-hmm. to do what needs to be done. If he was in the running, yeah. I would go out and vote for him. Uh-huh. That's, that's my personal thought and opinion on it. Mm-hmm. I'm looking ahead to who is left and who's running, and there is not anyone who, who – I believe would be in that category or camp that I could say I could vote for. And I'm getting to the point where I'm sick and tired of hearing people say, well, it's the lesser of two evils. Right. Yeah. We've talked about that before. Dude, I am so with you on that. It, 
it does. If I go to our local diner here, like the Double T Diner, mm-hmm. and I go in and all they have that night, I'm starving. Yeah. Hey, what do you have? Oh, we've only got two things tonight. We've got uh, we've got cow tongue or liver and onions. You know what I'm doing? I'm going to a different restaurant. Right. I'm not going to say that's just me. That well, gosh, if I had to, I guess I'd go with liver and onions. Something about a tongue. I just can't roll right. it. Right. Both choices suck to me. Yeah. So I, 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 in other words, and remember when we have Dave Shive on, we ask him yeah. that. Yeah. And I think his views. I used to kind of have that more. Well, Christian has to vote. Right. Um. I I don't feel that. Uh. Anyway, now, uh, our friend's point, which I thought was very good. I want to represent it fairly. So mm-hmm. Shaheen, if you're listening, come come back to us. Tell me or Nathan what you think. That's right. Um, or get on the podcast. That's right, exactly. <laughs> that could be dangerous, man. He could be calling us out on stuff, it's all um, right. which is always fun. But he uh, said, uh, he was texting me one day and said, I can tell that you and Nathan obviously are both apathetic. And he said, yeah, which I get. I think you guys have been clear on your own personal preferences. And I think what he was drilling down on, I thought was a very good point, is are you suggesting that the appropriate Biblical. I, I did quotes. I mm-hmm. shouldn't do that. I right, did right. my fingers, but you know, air quote biblical unair quote um, approach is to be apathetic. That that's mm-hmm. the preferred way. And I thought, man, that is a good question. Yeah, because we may have. I, th- I think we'd say unintentionally communicated that. Sure. Part of us are just being real as guys who we are. Right. Neither of us is very excited right. about politics anymore, and I think we've gotten there through pretty similar paths. And it, may, it really got me thinking about it. I, I want to apologize for any listeners that think that that's what we're trying to project, that the right biblical attitude is apathy. I, I would say this. I think you can be very politically minded as a believer. Right. Um, and I think it's more the way you go about that. Sure, sure. Um, so, again, I would just say if somebody's politically minded, it's, dude, you rock and roll with that, man. Yeah. I'm not going to mock with that. Well, and I actually do know some guys like that, and I would say they've got a very balanced approach. Number one, when their candidate doesn't win, they're not going to act as if we've just entered the apocalypse. Right. Uh, because they're, they're clinging to that trust in the gospel. Right. So I think uh, – but you and I do have in common – I, I can't deny my personality. I just don't care. Right. The other night I said – at least, come on! I, I don't care about any of this. Can't, can't we watch something else? I know. <laughs> you know, I mean, put on Mr. Robot or something. That's I've been right. wanting to see this show, <laughs> and um, she's a little more interested than I am. So sure. we did watch some of it. And look, Trump's interesting. Right. He's entertaining. <laughs> uh, that's the only real political podcast we did is to consider Trump. Right. I, I do, but somebody might want to check out Reverend James King's feed because <laughs> he put out something very recently on Trump that I think people will find intriguing. Vote for King. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> king for president. Wow, that's scary, man. Oh my word, I'm really not voting. Yeah. <laughs> oh my and, goodness. And I think it's important too. Um, and, and I've I've said this before. I can't remember if I've said it on the podcast or if I said it um, uh, if I've said it to to you. Um, I I do not believe that the way our system of government is set up at this point that my vote makes a difference. Uh-huh. And and there are a lot of people that disagree with that and that's fine. Sure. And and if you disagree with that and you are passionate about it, yes, I think you should be out there. I think you should be voting. Totally agree. Um, I equate it to this. My whatever you believe your sphere of influence is and how it should affect the outcome of things is how much you should be involved in it. Yes. Um 
Joy and I have we've joked about this is how political I was at one point that Joy and I have joked about and well and even seriously talked about and considered should I run for a political position? Sure, sure, dude. Um, because I was so involved and I had the ability to to speak well and to debate um, topics that I was passionate about. Yeah. Her and I decided that was not a, a path that we wanted to go down. Right. Um, if I was going to go down that that road, I, I would like to think of myself that I would be someone like William Wilberforce, yeah. that I would passionately debate things and argue things to the point that I would change uh, lives and minds um, in that sphere that God had put me in. But again, I don't believe he's put me there, and I don't believe unless you're in that sphere that the things that you're saying and the things that you're for are going to really make a difference. I w- I feel the same way you do, Nathan. Um, I think you and I are so similar on this. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. The Wilberforce uh, Force Store is inspiring. Yeah. I mean, but, well, that's for other people to ask. I think what you're saying, and I would say too, let's say you and I felt inclined to even pursue it. Right. I don't see in this day and age, in this time, you're right, the way the system is set up, the path to that kind of effectiveness. Right. Uh, everything is so gridlocked. Things kind of get done by compromise, which is it's hard for passionate Christians to do, understandably. Right. It's hard to get motivated by that. Um, but it does seem to be, by my pragmatic approach, the way things get done Yeah, um, is that you've got two groups with totally different ideologies. I think one is right or more right. right. One is wrong or certainly more wrong. Um, and you, know, you, you get into some real ethical dilemmas there as a believer. So I, I see why it's such a, a sticky wicket for Christians. Here's what I'll say, Nathan. I did think about this today. I Mm -hmm. was just driving here and I thought a couple of things about the primary that are positive, though. Mm -hmm. It says some great things about our country. I mean, whatever you think of Barack Obama, and I mean, I know his very blatant uh, pro-abortion policies, which to me isn't a political issue, just a life issue, are very disheartening and troubling. Um, The fact that in 2008 this country elected a black man – Mm-hmm. When in 1950, that never would have happened. Right. Does say some cool things about the country. Yeah. I mean, not – in other words, I'm trying to find a positive. Right. It says some cool things that I think are very, very positive about the – You know, we hear all the time how things are getting worse and worse and worse. Yes, in, in many dimensions, that true. that is true. I do love, though, that the country is at a point where, hey uh, – uh, and, and if you think last night, we're on – we're just after the Iowa caucus – uh, so who do you have? You got Cruz, mm-hmm. right? Who is part Hispanic, I believe, that mm-hmm. comes in uh, first. You've got Trump, who's kind of your rich white guy, so I'll right. discount him. Number third, you got Rubio, uh, Cuban American, um, you know, who 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 comes in third and fourth. I think was Carson, mm-hmm. who is an African American, right? So, and then on the other side, whatever you think of Hillary, she's a woman, right? Where fifty years ago, none of those people would have stood a chance, right? On that one, I think that's cool. I'd like to think that. Um, some of that might be the uh, effects of secular liberalism. Sure. Some of that I'd like to think might be the effects of enlightenment that comes as a byproduct of gospel understanding. Right. I'll let the historian sort that out and the sociologist, but I think it's important to say. Yeah, and I, I think of this that in a country where there is a lot of negativity, uh, it's good to highlight what we can as a bridge-building mechanism with people. So – I realize there are people that aren't believers that are very politically interested. 
So maybe the challenge for us, Nathan, being mm-hmm. a little more apathetic, is to think, well, how can I find a bridge in just conversation right. with a person who wants to talk about politics? If right. I simply say, I don't care, I have no interest, and he's an unbeliever, right? I think, oh boy, I, I don't, you know, you, I, I think we should. Be able to be opportunist in sure, every topic. Sure, uh, yeah. find some hook to keep the conversation going, yeah. and and maybe that's a way you could you you, you could take it. Because I, I know Roscoe, our uh, dear dear friend, I've mentioned him before for our listeners. Roscoe was a mentor of mine, pastored with me, eldered with me for a number of years. Um, uh, when he died, he was only sixty eight. I say only, but he was a very healthy man. He was a black man, grew up in the in the Kings Mountain, North Carolina, the segregated South. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking him when Obama won, how do you feel, Roscoe? And he says, it's a strange feeling because mm-hmm. he did not vote for Obama himself. Right. Uh, Roscoe had his very strong convictions in that area, um, which you, if you think statistically, I mean, didn't they – am I right on this? But didn't they say 90-plus percent – of yeah, African Americans voted for Obama, I think so, at least yeah. the first time. Yeah. I, I would assume maybe the second time too. So I never really thought about what a radical um, uh, sort of deal that was, probably for a black man mm-hmm. of voting age to not vote for the first black president. Yeah, you must have very strong governing convictions. But Roscoe said, um, while he did not agree with Obama. He did feel a certain sense of uh, Christians never want to say pride, right? But I'm going to use it in the in the non-pagan version, whatever the the right term is. That's right. Sense of um, awe in one sense. He said, "If you'd come to to me, Greg, when I was 12 years old, Kings Mountain, North Carolina, and said in 2008 a black man will be president, he said we would have laughed you out of the neighborhood. Yeah, it, it was it was it was a bad joke, not even a joke. It was just right. a bad joke." Nobody would have given it at the time of day. So if you think about it, in the span of so many people's lifetimes, think where we've come. Yeah. And, you know, Dr. King and the Civil Rights Movement, here we are in February. We have to pay our proper tribute Mm. wherever we can. Yeah. Uh, Problems still abound. Things go haywire all the time. But um, that might be something we could talk about in this political climate that a number of the people that are getting um, uh, different bases fired up. We've got a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got, um, I'm embarrassed. Is, is Cruz part Cuban? I'm not even sure. Yeah, I, I, I know he's part Hispanic. <laughs> I don't know. I've just heard Greg, him talk Greg, about his this ethnicity. Is issue when talking about politics. <laughs> oh, like, we don't care. I just don't care enough to know. But I would say he's not Trump. He's not your Caucasian That's right. That's right. rich guy, which yeah. has been the, uh, the, the standard bearer yeah. of every president for our, our entire, uh, uh, country's history until recently so uh, there's something we can talk about yeah and you know i think it's important too that that like you said um how do we engage with unbelievers because the discussion that i'm going to have with my unbelieving friends about politics is going to look very different than the ones that i'm going to have about with my believing friends and and for for the main reason that with my believing friends sometimes they're they're just as obnoxious but at least I can tell them to go away in yeah. a in a Christ-like manner um yes. where my unbelieving friends I want to take this opportunity to talk about uh why I wouldn't necessarily vote for either party right. I want to delve into that yeah. and I want to unpack that for them from the standpoint of a believer absolutely um, absolutely you know, I, I I, I don't mind saying I lean more conservative, uh-huh. 
But my conservative leanings are more due to the fact that I cannot support someone who supports abortion. Sure. I'll take every other conversation off the table. Yeah. You know what? I I, I do not agree with um, homosexuality. Uh-huh. I do not agree with that lifestyle. Um, we can have a myriad of discussions on those things. But you know what? I'm even willing to take that off the table politically. Yeah. Um, but I cannot – I cannot support someone who supports the taking of a life of a child. Right. I just, I can't do it. Sure. Biblically, I cannot do it. Yeah. Um, everything just goes against, goes against that in right. me. Um, and so it, even in that one aspect, looking at that, um, you know, I, I can explain to them how, why in my faith I can't do that, which I believe can lead to a greater discussion right. um, of of Jesus Christ. Right, right. Um, and 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 I've had those discussions before, you know, where people just look at me and they're like, "Oh, you're a Christian, so that's not why you'd vote for him." It's like, I am a Christian, but yeah. that's not why I wouldn't vote for them. Right. You know, here's why I wouldn't vote for them as a Christian. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, those conversations have been really great and liberating to have with my unbelieving friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always think um, – I heard somebody say this years ago that it, it's sort of like uh, the guy who wants to learn um, two sentences in every language in the world. Yeah. Uh, where is the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> and, where, and where is the American embassy? You right, know, it's, right. Uh, if, if I can learn how to say that in every language, I'm probably going to get myself out of most altercations. Right, like, right. Like what is the bare minimum you can learn even if you're not a politically interested person? Right. The, the things of politics touch on so many things that matter right. to us as believers. And often to, to just be able to say – you don't want to sound cliche when you say it to an unbeliever. But to help them see legitimately, man – there's really no such thing as a political savior. Right. Um, there just isn't. I mean, right. the most that can happen is a temporary alleviation of some uh, passing need. Right. Maybe. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, that's Maybe. about the best you're going to get. Right. Um, you know, in terms of something that will affect you, and probably the other would be national security issues. Sure, sure. Uh, and, and I get that. And uh, yeah, where I am, Nathan, right now, I think just to say I'm in a similar place. Um, Lisa knows a lot more than I do, so I pick her brain a lot because she she watches a little more and yep. reads up on the uh, candidates. And you know, I've uh, same thing, of course, uh, lean more conservatively. Um, and I, I mean, we did the one on Trump. Yeah, uh, yep. I still to this day don't quite understand the uh, the. We might, as this heats up, mm-hmm. have to do a Trump too. Yeah. Depending on where he stands, yeah, yeah. three months, four months from now, if he's still the front runner or one of the front runners, um, that intrigues me less politically. What intrigues me is that a number, not all, because many Christians have been very outspoken, do not get behind right. Trump. But um, the infatuation with Trump as a standard bearer for things many uh, Christians would would believe it is right. so bizarre to me. Yeah, yeah, on so many levels, in light of just who the man is, his history, and frankly, the absolute, almost unapologetic, yeah, narcissism. Yeah, it's like I said, it's entertaining, right? But if you listen to him, it's almost by the sheer power of his persona, right? He will do X, Y, and Z, right? Like nothing I've ever quite heard. Yeah, uh, it's it's. Bizarre to me, and there's such a, a braggadocious uh, approach that he takes, and 
um, I, I don't quite understand. Somebody I was talking to recently said, yeah, I mean, it's a strong statement, but he's kind of like the embodiment of the seven deadly sins. <laughs> <laughs> All packaged in one right. neat <laughs> bad comb over candidate. Uh, so I, I'm intrigued by it more yeah. personality-wise where people would find this attachment. I get um, Cruz, from what I understand, is probably your most purist constitutional um, Tea Party type guy. Yeah. Um, Rubio, who I think the little bit I've heard is probably the best speaker. I think the guy is good. I mean, I did watch on uh, CNN this morning a snippet of his concession speech. And I, even as he's given it, that's pretty, that's pretty darn good mm-hmm. speech. And then the, um, uh, the, the commentator that came out afterwards made the point that he wasn't using a teleprompter. Mm. That was truly a, an extemporaneous speech. And I thought, man, way to go, Marco. Yeah. Uh, so I'm uh, learning a little bit about them. Sure. Um, a number of them claim right to be believers. Obviously, Ben Carson. Right. I, yeah. I, I believe Rubio, and our listeners can correct, claims to be a believer. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, though. And I've heard Cruz does. Well, I should I should back up. They probably all claim to be believers right, right. at some point. <laughs> but I mean people that would be more associated with what we would call robust evangelical right, right. faith. Um, a number of them, I think – well, Huckabee obviously was a Baptist pastor, although he dropped out. Um, it's interesting, but it's – again, Nathan, I, I would say um, I I am on a personal level apathetic. Right, uh, which I don't think the Bible mandates that we be. Right. Uh, again, I happen to be. Right. I think I have the freedom to be. Right. Uh, and I think that you can be politically minded. Mm-hmm. And I think the the best Christians among us that are politically minded are probably so helpful in that they're reminding their their political peers right. that are Christians at least, hey, this isn't where our ultimate hope is. Right. I'll fight with you. Right. We'll go for this candidate. At the end of right. the day, if he goes down in flames and you know the, the media does a drive-by assassination job on him, man, I'm yeah. going to wake up tomorrow and not think that life is over. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to get to one more quick question politically and then we're going to um, move on. But first, to me, this issue is, is one of uh, almost – conviction or conscience Mm -hmm. um you know where where do you feel you are being led and how do you feel you're being led to dictate and determine uh your vote in 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 elections yeah and so that means that if you are so passionate about it and you are in it and you believe that you need to be out there voting and your voice needs to be heard then then do it right do it um but also if you're apathetic towards it don't do it. Right. <laughs> and and to me that's that's the better thing because if I'm apathetic um as as I as I've claimed to be, I haven't been in the past, I'm apathetic in this election. Yeah. Let me be perfectly clear. Right now in this election I'm very apathetic toward who I believe. Yeah. Now things could change and 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 then I could change and I could become more interested. Sure. In but right now I'm very apathetic towards it, and to me, it's a dangerous place for an apathetic person to be in the poll in, in, in the voting booth. Yeah, if I'm in the voting booth, um, that that's that's a dangerous place to be because I don't care. I know what you mean. You could you could almost pull the lever for anything, right? Exactly. Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Exactly, and so yeah, I think I think if you are politically minded and you're passionate about that, then you should be out there, mm. and to a certain extent. You know what? Yeah, have a discussion with me. Yeah. Try to convince me why I should be out there voting. Yeah. Um, 
Key thing though, when you're trying to convince me, don't tell me the story about the little old lady who walked in the booth back in the 1800s and her one vote counted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know that story. I've been told that story my whole life. Yeah. Um, things work a little differently than they did back then. And yes, uh, you know, so so don't pull that one on me. Yeah. But you know what? Try to convince me why I should sure, be out there absolutely. Voting. Yeah, I've I've got um, friends doing that. As we speak, mm-hmm. I mean, through email and other right. things. Come on, don't you th- care about this? And I, 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 I get it. Right. I get it. I, I don't want to have, and that's where um, Shaheen's question is helpful. I, I don't want to have a superiority right. complex, like all oh, the little right. people care about politics. I just want to say, hey, yeah, I, I think what you said, Nathan, I, as I said, my wife is more interested than right. I am. Um, so I do, I ask her it's in, in previous seasons, I've been a little more right. uh, up on what's going on. And she yeah. asked me, but I really don't know. And I just haven't had much interest at all. Right. I would say at this point, I don't know if you're with me, my guess, mm-hmm. um, is this is how I would feel if the election were tonight mm-hmm. and say it were between, uh, Hillary yep. and Trump. Yeah. Just, I'm telling you where I'm, I'm right. probably not voting. Right. I mean, exactly. I just, I have, yeah, I have zero. <laughs> right. I would rather go out and get a pedicure, yeah, um, than <laughs> than I would uh, go to the the polling place, yeah. for that. I just would have zero interest, yeah. really. I mean, other than from a a fascination standpoint, because I think the debates would be kind of interesting, right. and I'd, I'd be watching SNL every night for my humor intake. <laughs> But I wouldn't have much investment that yeah, would, would exactly. matter. And depending on who 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 it all ends up being, we'll see. And and yeah, and that's exactly what I'm saying. Is yeah. is that's where I am. If if it's Hillary and Trump, I you're not dragging me out to the polls. Yeah, I, I'm not right. I'm not going out Man. to vote. I cannot support either one of them. I do not agree politically. Forget forget spiritually, religiously. Yeah. I do not agree politically yeah. with either one of them. Yeah. Um Dude, and- if that happens on election night, let's just you and I get together and watch like narcos or something or <laughs> Or, or, or have an Ash well, Evil Dead marathon. Well, let's be real. Elections are usually on Tuesday. Oh, that's so right. We'll be, be right podcasting. That's awesome, man. We'll give live coverage. That's right. Because people are dying to hear our analysis. Dude, we should that. do that. Go down to one of the public schools and we set should. up and Just start set up podcasting. podcasting. <laughs> Who are you voting for? We don't really care. But uh, we want the backdrop. That would be funny, dude. Uh, but, uh, that would be I'm great. All right. So last question, um, and then we're going to move on. Do we need to vote for someone who's a believer? Ah, oh, yeah. Big question. Is that, you know, you hear Christians out there, well, you know, I'm only going to vote for a Christian. For a Christian, that, yeah. they're, you know, they're the ones that God wants in office. Right. Your response. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I understand it. Uh, I mean, from the standpoint that if a person truly is a believer, mm-hmm. now, we've had that before. Mm-hmm. All we can go about is a person's profession. I mean, Bush too, right? W yeah. claimed to be a believer. I have no reason to disbelieve what he's right. saying. Um, and you know, then you could ask people, and I'm not even trying to get into that. Were you happy? Did you did you feel? And maybe some people do. It could make a case mm-hmm. that um, it made a difference. I would ask the hard question in the advancement of the gospel. Um, right. I'm not so sure it did. Uh, but I understand that the thought is I can trust a person um, that I, is a believer because they're going to hopefully rely on superior wisdom. Mm-hmm. They're going to uh, have a humility and not bring hubris into the Oval Office. This is the ideal. Right. Um, so I, I, I'm just saying I can understand it. Yeah. At the same time, 
I've never viewed the vote for the presidency as we're voting for pastor in chief. Yeah. Uh, we're not voting for a pastor. Right. We're not voting for a church leader. You're, you're voting for a man to uh, lead the strongest country, at least to date, on the planet and probably in the history of the world, the leader of the free world. He commands the most powerful military apparatus. Right. It's, right. it's pretty awesome stuff yeah. if you think about it. Like, wow. Uh, there is some, some, some big stuff here. And I um, – I don't know, Nathan. I'm, I, it's all hypothetical to me. I I don't feel personally that the number one criteria for me is, well, this guy is a Christian and this guy isn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, some people might. For me, I would just say I understand I don't feel that. I, I would say what, what are the times we're living in? Mm-hmm. What are the challenges we're facing? Obviously, um, no doubt, uh, the election in 2004 – was much closer to 9-11. So the uh, fears of 2001 that carried through the years to come may have very well helped Bush. Mm -hmm. Uh, If Kerry had run against Bush and it was 2008, the economy probably would have tipped it for Kerry. Mm -hmm. So people make decisions on the basis of um, what do we need? And I don't think that is wrong. Uh, So in that mind, let's just say you have a wonder... Okay, I'll put myself into it. If I'm running against a non-Christian mm-hmm. but is a decent person, mm-hmm. uh, obviously I know I'm not a, you know uh, jettisoning my doctrine of sin, right? But I would balance that with the image of God in man, right? Uh, that uh, that's what I mean by decent person, person that is going to make sound judgments, that knows a lot more about foreign policy, mm-hmm. um, domestic initiatives than I certainly know. Right. I would say, please don't vote for me. Right. If I was forced to run, because I don't know what to do. Right. I'd be in day one. Like, uh, can I declare like a national uh, Breaking Bad day? <laughs> do, do I get to do something cool like that? And uh, the country would be, you know, falling apart. Um, so I think there are other factors in mind. Right. Uh, that don't necessarily say yes. I have to vote for the Christian guy. Right. That's my thought on it for now. Yeah, and and I agree with that completely. You know, I said earlier. You know, I if Ben Carson was in the running, I'd vote sure. for him. He again, he's claimed to be a believer. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I believe that. Yeah, but it has nothing to do with why I would vote for him. Right. I think he has a mind that is able to wrap around the complexities of politics and i think he could do some good things because of that right um now he could get an office and totally tank and then in the next election i wouldn't vote sure of course yeah right now from everything i've seen from everything i i've heard i think he has the best ability to he aligns most closely with what i Mm -hmm. think and believe in terms of politics and Mm -hmm. again that's why I said, you know, if it comes down to it, election day, he's not in the running. No, I don't believe I'm going to vote because right. I don't believe anyone else aligns with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, dude, I'm, so, I know some people are going to be really mad at you. I know. I'm going to tell them. I'm going to give them your email. That's right. Well, you know, they're probably listening yeah. to the podcast. <laughs> or, or stop listening. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well said. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, again, can't emphasize enough. If you are passionate, go out, vote. Try to talk me into voting. That's fine. That's great. Do it. But right now, I, I don't see a biblical mandate that says I have to vote. Yeah, I don't see it either. And um, and I don't see a biblical mandate that says you have to be apathetic. And that's mm-hmm. why I think this is more of a freedom, a conscience issue. Agreed. You know, go out and, and do what you believe you are being called to do. Agreed. So. Agreed. All right. Now, Greg, we are going to be winding down soon. Um, this one went uh, slightly longer. Uh, we're going to be just about hour and – 
25, 30 minutes, so not now, quite as long as last week. Nathan, do you think, though, the listeners would like me to uh, sing to another song? Um, I'm going to say no. <laughs> but so, yes. what the listeners would like is some free giveaways. Good transition. Which we have. Yes, our special one-year anniversary free giveaway night. We That's need sound right. effects or something. I know. Wait, what happened to your phone? And yeah, I should have hooked it Darth up. Vader and all that. <laughs> I'll, I'll get it back there. All right, all right. Um, so we actually we have a lot of giveaways. This being our one year, we want to um, we want to really thank everyone out there who has um, stuck with us. You all who have just joined us, um, and even those of you who have not uh, liked us on Twitter or anything like that. We just um, we want to thank you for being with us on this journey. Um, many more to come for us, we hope, yes. uh, Lord willing. So um, our first giveaway that we want to do, we told you when we had Elise Fitzpatrick on that we were going to give away uh, one of her books. Yes. Um, and that the details of that were to come. And it just so, came out, 15th edition. Yep. Or 15th anniversary 15th edition. anniversary edition, yep. yep. So um, what we're going to do is we are going to give away uh, one copy of her 15th anniversary edition if you go on our Facebook page and you leave us a message and tell us what did Elise change or emphasize more in her 15th year release than she did in the original one. So she said that there was something that she went back and she emphasized more in this edition than she had the first edition. Just go on Facebook, write us a quick message. Hey, this is what, this is what she did. This is what she said. And it being Facebook, we're going to see that, you know, you're going to be the first one to pop up and let us know. So put that on the wall. Do not, I will not accept in this one messaging me and telling me No, put it on the wall. Put it on the wall. And we'll be able to see that you were the the first one to respond to that and and write that in there. And we will send you a free copy of that. Um, Second, we want to give away three uh, three books, uh, Killing Calvinism, Greg's book that he wrote, his third one. um, And... We did cover that one, didn't we? We've never covered that one? We've never covered that one yet. Man, I'm slacking. No, dude. My goal goal was to do all three in the year. We've had far better authors to talk about (laughs) than than, than that one. um, Yeah, but that was your best book. We got to talk about that I was going to say, of the three, it it did the best. Uh, And uh, it's fun. Because of that book, Nathan, I still do have some dialogue with people. Mm -hmm. Um, A a common thing that I hear is um, people that, well, number one, I, I always get some initial questions. Hey, why are you writing a book bashing Calvinism? Right. Uh, and I say I'm not. Look at it more closely. Right. Um, killing Calvinism, how to ruin a perfectly good theology. And yeah. It's a what not to do book to take a, a great set of doctrines, I would say, and screw them all up. Yeah. And mostly it's a furnishing of my own screw-ups through the years. Uh, I had a lot of fun writing it uh and i've had a lot of great dialogue as a result with people and i've got multiple copies uh that i can drop in the mail quite easily yeah so we are going to do that and we are going to do that um we are going to actually choose um just choose randomly three of our twitter followers yes so um so uh, oh, no I, well I, here's what i like to do Nathan. okay i would like to say here's how we'll do it okay we will choose um Two mm-hmm. from all of our Twitter followers. Okay. And we will choose one. I'm looking right now. We're at 185. Okay. Love to see that thing go over 200. All right. So we'll choose two 
new ones. So okay. if and any people that say, hey, that's not fair, I remind you of the parable of the, uh, the, parable of the workers in the vineyard. Um, <laughs> these guys get the same denarius for coming late. That's right. So it, it, in other words, uh, we're trying to incentivize you. If you say, hey, I've never uh, followed them on Twitter, mm-hmm. Twitter gives us a great, quick, punchy way to put out information. Yeah. That's why everybody loves Twitter. Um, and communicate things coming up, links, uh, other uh, follow, or other people we'd like you to follow, and that sort of thing, like uh, like Michael Abendroth, yep. who's going to be on next week. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, your odds are greater if you sign up now. But just to show some kindness, you could have been a Twitter follower for... Since day one. Day one, and you still have a chance. That's right. So uh, we're going to give away two... Yep. To uh, to our already current pool of uh, Twitter followers, uh, one, one, and okay. two to the new ones. Two to the new trying ones. trying to incentivize. All right, so that means uh, it's at TGT eleven. Yes, is that at, right? At podcast TGT eleven. Oh, at podcast TGT eleven. Yep, uh, and you can just look that up on Twitter. Uh, these go to eleven, and we will get those out to you within the week. All right, and finally, oh, I'm excited about this. this is one. this is the good one. The Doctor, Reverend James King. The Right Reverend James King from James King. King James, what does he call Bible it? Bible-believing institute. Bible-believing, teaching, <laughs> preaching something. Something, something, something. Um, he is on Twitter. I heard that. He's just started a Twitter following. Dude, we got to be careful. I know, man. He's going to start bashing us I, left I, and right. I'm worried. I'm worried. <laughs> uh, but what we want to try to bring... Um, the right Reverend James King, a little more into the fold. We're trying to we're trying to kill him with kindness. That's right. Win him with some grace. That's right. So if you would follow him, we want to love the we want to love the legalism right out of him. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we want to just squeeze every drop of dispensationalism out of him. Uh, maybe not, but um, yeah, that's an opportunity for you. If you would follow him, he's at Rev R E V James King. Yeah, uh, he's already got I don't know sixteen or seventeen followers. He, <laughs> he he just came out this weekend, so there's a few that have gotten in there. But we'll include all the followers, the ones yep. who have done it. We'll give away two copies of James White's book, The King James Only Controversy. Yeah, uh, great book. Uh, Doctor White is a brilliant dude, and just you, uh, it's a really fascinating book. Really, to show you why there are people that believe the King James is like the only authorized yeah. version, um, and then White just brilliant at showing you. The problems with that assertion, and uh, it's it's kind of a fun book, I think. Yeah. So, um, go ahead, like, follow uh, Rev James King R E V James King uh, on Twitter, and we are going to pull all those names, and we are going to um, randomize again. We're just going to you know throw those names into a randomizer. Um, you can get those things on the computer real easily. So yep. we're just going to throw them into a randomizer, and uh, two of you will get. Uh, the book by uh, James White. Yep. So, Greg, one year. One year. Man. We are done. I love it. In well, the for books. Tonight. For tonight. For tonight. In we're the books. Lord right. willing, we're not done. That's right. Uh, so this has been a packed podcast. Yeah. We've had so much fun doing it. Awesome. And uh, we're looking forward to another great year with you all. We're going to sign off now. Dude, one year later, we're rocking the Casper. Third Eye Blind Style. These go to 11.